You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Family Church. My name is Hal Mayer. I'm the campus pastor at the Temple Terrace campus. I'd just like to welcome all of you here today, all of you that are watching online, of course, at all of our seven campuses. We are in our second week of our series called Get Your Ship Together. I had to make sure I got that right. That is a big fear of mine. Getting your ship together. We're talking about relationships. Last week, uh, Pastor Ralph talked about marriage. And this week, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about singleness. And I know immediately what's going to happen. All the married people in the room are gonna go, I, I don't need this anymore. Yes, you do. Because here, here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. The things that you work on while you're single, you still get to work on while you're married. It happens. And here, here, here's what's interesting. You all have people in your life who are single. You may be raising them, you may be friends with them, but wouldn't it be great to have some wise counsel to help them out in that next step? So do not, do not phase out, do not leave this conversation because it's gonna be important for all of us in the room. And, and so we're talking about getting our, our ship together. Really, it's about building something. And I still remember the first time I kind of, I guess you could say, built something. My parents got me one of those uh, wood-burning pencil things. You know what I'm talking about? The, the, the pencils that have a... Uh, a metal tip that gets so hot, it burns the wood, which is something great to give to a kid who has a problem playing with fire too much. And so they handed that to me and I had burnt all the wood that it came with and apparently I wasn't allowed to burn anything in the house. So I went out and I asked my dad, hey dad, can I, can I cut a piece of wood so that I can use my wood burning pencil on it? He said, okay. I said, okay, can I get the, the things that are needed? Can I get the saw and all that? And he handed them to me and I said, okay dad, I'm good. I've got this. I'm like six years old. He's like, well, can I watch? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, maybe you'll learn something. And so as a six-year-old, I, I got out my, my, my little tape measure and I marked off what I wanted to mark off. And, and then I went and I grabbed, grabbed this. I actually put like safety goggles on. My dad's like thinking this is all good. And then I proceeded to put the piece of wood on my leg and start to saw it. I don't remember how quickly my dad responded. I would like to think it was right away. I'm just happy they didn't have like Instagram back then because he probably would have recorded it and been like, hey, look at my son. But he immediately, he goes, no, no, son, you can't do that. I'm like, what? He goes, sooner or later, you're gonna hit something that bleeds. Like that's a bad idea, right? And, and so when you're building things, that you, you learn different things. And one of the big things I remember my dad teaching me, which many of us have learned, is what? You measure twice, right? And you cut once. Measure twice, cut once. Why? Because many times you're going so fast in the project, you're going through it, you're doing it all, you measure wrong, you cut something wrong, and what happens? You, don't, you can't use it anymore, it doesn't fit. You can't use it anymore, you lost your time, and you lost your resources because you just weren't paying attention to what you were doing. Now, here, here's what I wanna say 
today in this, is I think many times, because of the way that we, we, we deal with relationships nowadays, because of the way that we date, because of the way that, that we do this thing that looks like getting together for marriage, we, we lose the intention of what we should be doing and we just start doing it, assuming and hoping that it ends up in the right place. And we date in ways that we shouldn't date in. So we've even extended the time where we're supposed to get married, but we haven't stopped dating, we just keep dating. But what we do is we date in ways that we shouldn't. We date like we're married. We move in with each other. We live a life like we're married. Then when we go to break up, we're surprised that our breakups feel more like divorces than breakups. And what happens is over and over again, we hurt ourselves, we set ourselves back. And only that, we're losing the resource that we had of time and then on top of that, we're adding on to ourselves many times baggage and other things that we need to work through and we need to deal with. Now, hear me in this, single people in the room, immediately you're going, well, he's just coming at us. Look, I have worked with youth ministry, young adult ministry now for almost 20 years. I've watched what happens when people date the wrong way and continue to do it and the, the harm that happens in their lives. But not only that, I've seen the other side of what happens when marriage goes bad and there's a family left in the destruction behind it. So today when I'm talking about singleness, when I'm talking about even looking at dating in the right way, the reason I'm telling you this is because I want you to win badly. I want you to do this in a way so that you enter marriage as whole as possible and you can set an example even for the next generation. What's so amazing for me is even though we see the world around us, the way that they date go wrong so often, we stick to it like nobody's business. We go, yeah, no, this is the way we have to do it. We have to go for love, we have to go for love as if this is the way we've always dated. You know, the, the way we date is only like 100 years old. Like before it used to be done differently. It's like 100 years old, but we stick to it. And, and we defend it. I've, I've had so many, just middle schoolers especially, come up and defend their relationship to me. Guys, you have not lived until a middle school girl walks up to you who is angry about your message and tells you that she hopes one day you and your wife will have the same love that she has for her 12-year-old boyfriend. See, I think it comes down to this. And it's kind of funny because I feel like it's an old word when we talk about it. It's like, what are your intentions in dating? I still remember when people, when a guy would come over that wanted to date my sister, which I always felt bad for him because he had to deal with me and my dad. And my dad's like a six foot five, 280 pound dude that used to have a goatee and just look angry all the time. And he would play it up too. He'd have the guy come in. Literally one time he got this big old buck knife and literally started cleaning out his fingernails while this poor kid is sitting there. And he, he asked the same question you have to ask, I guess. It's like, what are your intentions with my daughter? Which is tough for a 16 year old boy because all of his actual intentions, he can't say out loud at that moment. <laughs> like on the spot, he has to make up acceptable intentions so that he can go on this date. See, I, I think that's the problem is we don't know what our intentions are. We, we date just because we think we're supposed to. And what happens is we start to date the wrong way and we hurt ourselves. So here, here's what I wanna start off the message with is this, is how to know if our intentions in dating are flawed. How to know if the, the way that we're going into dating is not the right way. And here's the first one, I think it's one of the biggest, is we chase fantasy over legacy. We chase fantasy over legacy. We go for the big emotion, the big moment, over picking someone that we can build a legacy with. 
We, we go over, the, we, we, we chase the emotion and we don't pay attention to the red flags. We chase the moment and we don't pay attention to what they're really like. And see, what, what people will actually say is this, is a lot of counselors will say this, if you're the, somebody that chases fantasy, the reason you're chasing fantasy is because you have so much that you don't wanna deal with in your own life, so you're hoping from a reprieve from that, so you chase after the fantasy so you can feel above it for a moment. And what does Disney tell us? You find that person, you hold on to them, everything changes. It's perfect, it's that idea, and we've talked about this before, like man, if I just find my soulmate, everything will be perfect. No, it won't. No, it won't. But we do, we think we're in some sort of fairy tale. Look, if you lose your shoe at midnight after a big party, it's not because you're a princess. You're probably just drunk. Fantasy looks for the moment. Legacy says, you know what? I'm looking to the future. I'm gonna set up boundaries because I know what I don't need in my life. I'm gonna set standards that I'm gonna stay to. I'm gonna see the problems that are in front of me, the problems that I know I have because of maybe it was the way I was brought up or the things that have happened around me. And I'm gonna deal with those problems. I'm gonna work on those problems because my goal in legacy is health. See, there's a difference. When we chase fantasy, we hope that we can just get rid of our problems. Legacy says, no, I'm gonna deal with my problems so I can find somebody else who's doing the same thing. Are you always looking for the spark? Are you looking for someone to build with? Here's the second thing, and parents will love this one. We repeatedly choose to experience it for ourselves instead of listening to wise counsel. And I said repeatedly because look, we all have to touch the stove once, right? Like we all have to do things on our own once. We all have to go, you know what? I just had to find out whether or not you were telling the truth or you're just holding something away from me. The problem that happens is when we do it over and over and over again, where people in our lives that absolutely love us and care for us continue to tell us, hey, you're dating the wrong person, you're doing the wrong things. This person is the same as the last time, but we continuously decide not to listen to them. In fact, we push them aside and many times we push them aside so much that they exit from our lives, which is the most dangerous place to be, because we're blind. I hear people say, well, they don't understand me because they're not in my shoes. Exactly, that's the reason they can see things that you can't. It's because they're not in your shoes. Well, they don't feel what I feel. Exactly, that's why they can see things that you cannot see. I had a, someone come up to me before, they're like, but they just don't get it. When he walks up into my life, when he shows up, I just feel butterflies. I'm like, that's great, but butterflies fly away. And then you're just left with him. See, what's great is the people who love you have zero butterflies. And they see what's right in front of you. We're looking for people in our lives that can help us, that can help us take that next step. Look, if we're not paying attention to those around us that love us, we need to take a step back and invite them back in to help us out. And here's the, here's the last thing. We date to fill a void, not to find a spouse. And I'll be honest, this is probably the one most of us end up in at some point in our lives. Because this is what we naturally do is we end up in a tough place, we end up in a rough place, and what we do is we, we find somebody to fill that void. Well, how do you know you're dating to fill a void and not find a spouse? Well, it's simple. Your standards are constantly relaxed. 
You constantly lower your standards just so you can find someone to date. You lower your standards so you can go out with that person. You've said your entire life, man, I want to absolutely, I want a woman of God. I want a woman that follows after God. I want a woman who takes her problems, who takes everything in her life, and she brings it to the foot of the cross. But because you're trying to fill a void, you just date a woman with a cross necklace. And I hear women say, I want a man that will lead. I want a man that follows after God. I want a man that will stand up. But the problem is, you feel more comfortable asking him over to your house than you do to church. And so what we do is we lower our standards and we allow people into our lives to fill a void. And here's what always happens, is it always ends in a crash. It always ends in a crash, it always ends in a mess, but the problem is, even though we're the one that's driving, we don't think it's our fault. And, And I think this is incredibly big with people that do this, is they tend to generalize all. Meaning this, I hear guys say it all the time, all women are crazy. All girls are crazy. And then I hear a girl say the same thing. Well, all guys are jerks. And you hear, you generalize it. Well, all women are crazy, all men are jerks. No, no, just the ones you're attracting. Unhealthy attracts unhealthy. Those that are looking to fill a void attract people that are doing the same thing. Look, if we continue to do the same thing over and over again, we finally have to get into the position of going, okay, what is it that I'm trying to get and is it even what I should be going after? Because what we tend to do many times is that we tend to fill the void that only God can fill with anything else other than God. I think for some in this room, it looks like a rescue mentality. You, you like to go out, you're like, I, I'm healthy, and I go out and I try to rescue others. You know, actually, what they would say is those that love to rescue, it's, they have a lot of problems themselves that they don't wanna deal with, so they try to rescue others and help others so they don't have to deal with it. And here's the big problem in that. We're looking for a partner, not a patient. We're looking for someone to walk with, not somebody you have to carry. You're looking for someone to do life with. And look, I'm, I'm saying this incredibly blunt, not because I just wanna say that, it's because I want you to understand. Like, there's something that is better out there. But how? They have, they have so much potential. Okay, let them achieve it and then date them. Look, potential is what we use to pick stocks, not a spouse. See, what we have to do is at some point, we've gotta stop and go, all right, I'm doing this the wrong way. I'm picking the wrong people. I'm not listening to the right people. What do I need to do? And, and I know you said it before, but like, how am I, what am I supposed to do? I've said, you know what, my standards are gonna be here, but then the next time I go to date, I lower them. Or I tell God, I'm gonna date differently this time, but next time I go to date, I lower it, and I don't do the things that God's called me to do. How do I change my life? How do I change the way that I date so that I can date the way that God has for me? And here's the very simple word that's incredibly hard to do. Because it's not something that we do, it's something we allow God to do. And that's renewal. See, the only way that we're going to change the way we do things is if we allow God to renew our heart and to renew our mind. And look, for all the, the married people in the room that thought I wasn't gonna come back to you, those same intentions that are wrong in dating are also wrong in marriage. You ever find yourself in a place where you're valuing fantasy over legacy, meaning that you're always in the what ifs? 
Something bad happens in your marriage, you go through a hard patch and you're always thinking about what if I would have married this person? What if I would have done this differently? So we gotta catch ourselves in that and go, no, 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 I need renewal. You ever been in a situation where you continually choose not to listen to the wise counsel around you, listen to the people around you, they're going, hey, you're killing your marriage, you're killing your life, you're killing your family, and we're not listening to them. We gotta take a step back and go, you know what? There's something wrong here with my heart and my mind. I need renewal. Or maybe, and I think we do this all the time, we expect our spouse to fill a void that only God can. We put expectations on them that they don't even know about. And we're constantly bitter and sad because they're not living up to it. We need a renewal. Because a renewal is not something that just happens when you're single and you're looking to date. This is a part of the Christian life. This is something that we constantly have to pay attention to because as soon as we get our hearts and our minds in the wrong place, we go, all right, God, I need you to get me back on track. But here's the reason we don't do it. It's because renewal doesn't happen with a prayer, a commitment, or a promise. Renewal is a process. It's a process, which means it takes time. But how, I don't have enough time. Look, you don't have enough time not to. Because if we don't have a renewed heart and a renewed mind, we're just gonna end up in the same place again. We're gonna end up doing the same thing again. And this is one of the biggest reasons we don't like the renewal process. But healing is a process, renewal is a process. Romans 12, two says it this way. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then, and only then, will you, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. What is he saying? If you don't go through the renewal, you won't know what God wants for your life. If we don't know what God wants for our life, if we don't see the world through his eyes and his heart, what happens? We don't change. Say this way, without renewal, our actions never change. We'll do the same thing over and over again. So how, what does renewal look like? Renewal means taking the time to connect with God in community and allowing God to do his work. How long does it take? I don't know. I've had a lot of counselors that I've talked to through the years and for, for people that have serial dated, meaning you've continued to date over and over and over again without any room in the middle for healing or to change the way that you do it, they say to take off a year. I go, well, I can't take off that, time, that much time. What if the perfect person came along? If they did, you wouldn't notice them because that's not what you're attracted to without renewal. I have had many young adults come up to me that have taken this challenge and have come up to me and said, look, I would not have seen my spouse if I didn't take that year off. I would not have recognized them, I wouldn't have seen how incredible they are if I wouldn't have taken that time off. See, renewal takes time, and we do it in community. If you're a young adult looking for a community, you have the exchange. If you're a guy or just a girl looking for a community, you have beautiful, you have courageous. If you're a single mom, and let me just say, single parenting is the hardest thing in the world, and trying to find the person that you wanna marry, that's a tough place to be in. We have a single moms group on every single campus to help you and encourage you to spend time in the renewal. We need to spend time with people that want us to become healthy not people that are just doing the same thing that we did before. We need community in this process. Proverbs 26, 11, I, I, it's just so blunt. It says, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. If we choose not to spend the time in renewal, 
we will just return back to the same thing over and over again. It may look better at first, but what we find out later on is just the same thing with a different coat of paint. And we didn't see it because we didn't spend the time with God. Look, we, we need to have God's heart, we need to have God's mind. And in this, we are able to pick someone really to build something with. Now, what I wanna do now is I wanna kinda switch and give you three things, really three things to look for in a spouse. This is not the most extensive list. This is not everything at all. And I know many of you have lists. My wife had a list of like 300 things. And she swears that I was all of them, but I've read it. I'm not. But here's what I ask you to do. Whittle it down to the most important things. If they have these three things, they're worth a look. They're worth a date. If they don't have these three things, give them some encouragement to go after these three things and go after those things. In the same way, married people, for many of you, you're gonna see these three things. You're gonna go, well, I didn't start our marriage like that. That's fine. You can start now. These things will build your marriage. These are the things we talk about all the time, but are the things that help us thrive in marriage. So here, what are the three things that we're looking for? Here's the first one. Someone who is devoted to God, not just excited about him. Well, they go to church. Cool. A lot of people do. I met a lot of people that go to church that actually don't believe in anything that's being said. They do it because they feel like they have to. There's guys and girls that will go to church because they like you and it's a cheap date. But does it change the way that they live their lives? See, when I say devoted, here's what devoted means. I mean, that they've taken what they've heard, it's taken what they've learned, they've taken it outside the four walls of the church and they're going, how do I put this into practice? I wanna know more about God. I wanna spend time praying with God. I want to grow. Not that we're saying we're looking for perfection. You're not looking for the next apostle Paul. You're just looking for someone who's growing, who's taking this seriously, that's moving forward, that's decided that this is something much more than just something you give your Sunday or your Saturday night to. This is something that matters. Do they talk to God? Do they spend time in prayer? You know, what's amazing to me is how often we use 1 Corinthians 13 in marriage, but we don't talk about it at other times, like in dating, as if when you get married, all of a sudden 1 Corinthians 13 is possible. It's like you say, I do, and all of a sudden I'm patient and kind, <laughs> right? Look, if you wanna see somebody that's devoted to God, what's something that comes out of God? Love. So what should they be showing? They should be showing the attributes of love. So when you look at 1 Corinthians 13, you're going, is this something that's growing in them? Not that they've reached. Look, no one is going to reach the entirety of 1 Corinthians 13 outside of Jesus, but it's something that they're growing in. 1 Corinthians 13, are they patient and kind? Are they jealous or boastful or proud or rude? Do they demand their own way? Are they irritable? They keep records of being wronged. Do they rejoice about injustice, but rejoice when the truth wins out? They never give up, never lose faith, always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Look, like I said, it's not that you're already there. One of the fun things that I, I do in weddings is I tend to read that verse, but I put the groom and the bride in the verse. And inevitably at some point I say, and he is this, and everyone laughs in the crowd. And I'm like, it's okay. It's just something to work on. So I'm not saying it's perfection. As we're not looking for per perfection, we're looking for progress. We're looking for somebody that is moving forward with God, that has taken the idea of following God to more than just a weekend, to more than just an attendance check. They've decided to take God to something else and make him a part of their lives, make him a part of their lives. So we're looking for someone who is devoted, not just excited about God. Here's the second thing, someone who serves others. Someone who serves others. And I know some of you are like, wait, you mean someone who serves me? No. 
No, actually, psychologists will say this. If the only person they serve is you, it's not because they're good at serving or that they love you, it's that they love to manipulate. Because maturity is the ability to serve others when there's nothing coming back. Because that's something we've gotta be able to understand before we get married. Because we know this in marriage. Many times you are serving your spouse, you are serving your family, and there's not anything coming back. You're choosing to do it because that's what we're supposed to do. We're called to sacrifice. We're called to submit. We're called to do what God has called us to do and move forward. Like we need that ability to do that. And look, this happens all the time in my marriage. It does. And I still, I'll just say this. I miss the time when my wife cared for me when I was sick in a nice way. <laughs> like, and it was before kids. Before kids, I was sick. Oh, let me take care of you. I'll lay with you. Like, we'll, we'll hang out. After kids, it's like, you're doing this on purpose, aren't you? <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I still remember. I got, uh, it was like a week out of when we were in the COVID bubble. It was like, we were out of it for like a week and I got COVID. And I came home and I went, I've got COVID. And I showed it to her. And she's like, why did you do that? didn't do it on purpose. But she, she's like, oh, I guess now you have to quarantine in the room by yourself and you don't have to help me with the three kids. I have COVID. <laughs> but she's still, she's still serving. She still brought me food. She still brought me water. And to show her that I appreciated that every once in a while I would open the door and yell at the kids. <laughs> but look, that's marriage. Marriage is choosing to love the person even at times they don't look lovable. They don't act lovable. But you know you're doing something for the betterment of the two of you. So you want somebody who serves others because that means they understand service. That means they understand that there's something more outside of them. It's actually a huge sign of maturity in a, in a believer. John 15, 13 says it this way. It says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. In fact, you could almost say it this way. Those who truly understand love truly understand what it means to serve. We want somebody who has the ability and shows that they can serve. And here's, here's the last one. This last one isn't anything new. This is something that we've been talking about for the past month and a half, is community. Look, you're looking for someone who has godly community. You want somebody that already is in community. Why? Because it shows that they understand that they don't know everything and they need help. And in the same way, you want somebody that understands that because when you get married, we need to understand that we can't do this alone and we need help. I think this whole, I think it's a little bit of the fairy tale idea because you see it in movies where they go, it's me and you against the world. No, it's not. It shouldn't be. It should be me and you and my church against the world and the people that I brought around me in the world because we can't do this alone. There's gonna be times where we are blind and we don't see the things that we ought to see that we need other people in our lives to step in and to help us. You want somebody who's in community because they will tell them the truth and they also will tell you the truth about them because they care. Because let's just be honest, we all walk into marriage with, it's not that we're just lying. It's that we, we tell people the habits that we wish we had like we already do them. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my, walking into marriage, I think my wife thought I loved to work out. I don't know why she did that. I did have a LA Fitness key tag. Most expensive key tag I never used. 
I wanted to go to the gym, I would regularly think about how awesome would it be if I got healthier and went to the gym? I just never went to the gym. And for those of you who feel bad about my wife, look, when we were dating, I didn't realize that she ever thought I was wrong. She always told me I was right. And in fact, when she didn't agree with me, five minutes later, she would go, you know what, I'm wrong, you're right. And then we got married and apparently, my IQ dropped by like a thousand points. <laughs> and I'm wrong a lot. <laughs> and now if she's wrong, maybe three days later, she'll be like, you know what? I think you may have been right, which I'll take, I'll take that. But we do, we walk into it. We have these things that we say we are that we're not really, these things, the ways, ways that we have of pumping each other up. Look, we need community around us to show us the truth to show us what's really happening in the world around us. Because look, it's only a fool who doesn't want community. It really is. Proverbs 18.1 says it this way. It says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Breaks out against all sound judgment. Which means this, when we're alone, we do the thing that we ought not to do. You want someone that has accountability, they have community, they have people around them because that's something you want to keep in marriage. You want people speaking into your life and you want somebody that's okay with that. Because it's tough. It's tough to hear you're wrong. But it's better to hear you're wrong than it is to continue to allow a marriage to deteriorate and to go down a path that it is never meant to go down. You know, when you look at these things, when you look at the fact that we need community, we need somebody who serves, we need somebody that's devoted to God. If you kind of broke it down all into one saying, I really think it goes along with, uh, I had a pastor come to our college ministry one time and he said this and just always stuck with me. He said how, it, look, if you want to date the way God wants you to date, he, he says this, he says, run as hard as you can after God and then look next to you. He says, go as hard as you can after God and then look next to you. I'd just like to add one caveat to that. You're looking for someone going at the same pace, not necessarily the same distance. Because I think sometimes we'll, you know, for some of us, like I grew up in church. And for me, not to look at someone who is going hard after God, that loved God at the same pace that I was would have been a miss. So you were looking for someone that's going at the same pace because what you're doing, what are you trying to do? You're trying to build something. You're trying to accomplish something. Paul actually in the Bible, he actually says, he says the Christian life is like a race that we're trying to finish, that we're trying to finish in the best way possible. So when you're looking for someone who's gonna be your spouse, looking for someone who's going to build something, you want someone who is gonna run the race with you. You want someone that's gonna encourage you in that race. You want someone that's gonna pick you up in that race. And you want someone who wants to finish that race with you. That's what God wants for our lives. That's what God wants for our marriages. But it means we put them first. We put them first in our lifestyle. We put them first in our community. And we even put them first in the way that we serve others. See, I don't know where you are in this room right now. Whether you're in a place of dating right now where you're going, how I, I get it, I, I need to take this next step. Or maybe you're married right now, you're reminded these are some steps that we need to take. Here's what we know. The only way forward in the marriage that God has for you is with God at the center. It's only if God is at the center. And for some of you here in this room today that have yet to take that step of putting God in the center, the reason we talk about it is because what's so incredible about God is that when he sent his son down to this earth, when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, not only did he save us, but he said, I want to help you in this life. 
I want to make your life worthwhile. I wanna make your relationships better. I wanna help you in everything that you do. And in the same way, God wants to come into each of our lives and help us in that. So today you're someone that has yet to take that next step. You've yet to decide that I wanna follow after God. I wanna give him my life. What I'm gonna do here in a moment is I'm just gonna say a prayer out loud that you can say quietly right where you're sitting and start that relationship today. If you could right now, if you could bow your heads and close your eyes. If you wanna start that relationship today, I'm gonna say a prayer out loud that you can say quietly right where you're sitting. Dear God, God, I know that I've sinned. Please forgive me. God, I believe in your son, Jesus, that he lived, that he died, and that he rose again. God, today I'm giving my life to you. I'm committing my life to you. God, please help me, please guide me, and please help me make the wise decisions that will help me build a legacy for you. God, I thank you for loving me first. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, that is the best decision that you will ever make. And here's the deal, we, we never just wanna leave you where you're at, we wanna give you a next step, we wanna give you a way for you to take another step with God here today. So right now, I'm gonna ask the campus pastors to come up and close out the service. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.